Hi everyone and welcome to this edition, or I should say first edition of Verse by Verse because today is Friday and today is question day. As I said yesterday on the broadcast, we're going to attempt to answer two questions today. Um, number one, actually it's really one question if you really want to think of it in, in this manner. Um, there's actually, well, two questions, but it's one subject. Let's put it like that. Okay, so the, the question that I have heard many people ask, and I've wondered myself, do people in heaven, <clears throat> do people in heaven know what is happening on the earth? Do they even care? Uh, and in the same realm, are people in heaven concerned about time? And the reason I throw that part in, I'll deal with that first, that's pretty easy to handle, uh, <clears throat> is because of the fact that probably everyone listening to the sound of my voice knows someone in heaven. Someone in your family has passed away, they knew the Lord as their personal Savior, and so they wonder, you know, does my loved one, my aunt, my uncle, mom, dad, brother, sister, do they know, first of all, do they know what is happening on the earth? Do they have any knowledge at all? Secondly, do they even care what is happening on the earth? Because I've heard people say, well, you know, when I get to heaven, I won't care about anything that's going on on the earth. I'll just be, you know, concerned about the things in heaven. And I don't have any doubt that things in heaven will be more concerning to those persons that are there, obviously, than on the earth. I mean, after all, when we do get there, guess what? All of our burdens will be over, problems over, you know, things like that. But let's take a closer look at this. So let me kind of give you some background <clears throat> as to why people might have the idea that people in heaven just, you know, are, are not concerned about time. They don't concern themselves with, you know, days, months, years. There is a verse in Revelation 10, and I'm not going to read all the verses surrounding it. Let me give you the quick context of this. Um, in the At the end of Revelation chapter 9, we have the sixth trumpet judgment. This is during the tribulation period. And, of course, if you read that, you know the sixth trumpet judgment is... Basically, the, the horsemen that go throughout the world and they kill a third of men. These are demons. And they're the ones that are released from the Euphrates River. And there is an angel in chapter 10. And the first five verses, I won't take time to read all those verses of chapter 10, basically state that this angel uh, comes and he sets one foot on the sea, one foot on the earth. And he has a book that John will eventually take from the angel and eat which I believe is the word of God because he says it's, you know, in my mouth sweet as honey, but in my belly it's it's bitter. And so it is with the word of God today. To those of us who love the word of God, it's sweet as honey. But to those that uh, are not right with the Lord and the judgments of the word of God are pronounced, it is a bitter pill, if you will. And so, but this angel makes a statement in verse 6 of chapter 10 that people misunderstand. And let me read it here. This angel, and actually I probably ought to go back and read um, verse 5. Yeah, verse 5. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth, lift up his hand to heaven. 
Now here's his statement in verse 6. And swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that therein are, and the earth and the things that are therein are, uh, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. So that's kind of where we get our like I alluded to yesterday, the the song, and don't misunderstand me, I'm not criticizing a song, okay? This is a great old hymn. I love it when the roll is called up yonder. We don't hear it much anymore, um, but it's a good hymn. But the first verse, you know, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, the time shall be no more. That kind of gives us the idea that when Jesus comes, you know, time's going to stop. It won't matter anymore. Well, okay, so if you, what you have to do is go back and look at the language. Understand something. Your Bible that you're reading, and the one I'm reading, is not written in the original language that the Bible was written in. Okay, does that make any sense? Did I say that right? The New Testament was written in Greek, not English. Okay, I hate to disappoint some people. I love you with all my heart, but there's some people that believe that Paul used King James. And I got news for you. Paul didn't use King James. Okay, he he just didn't. Um, I, he you know, he just didn't. Okay, that didn't come out till 1611. And even the original 1611, nobody can understand today. I heard a pastor one time say, "Well, bless God, if you can't understand the 1611 King James, you just aren't saved." Well, I had a copy of the original King James, not the original, but a copy of the original. And I got news for you. Nobody can understand it. Okay. So, there have been multiple translations that have been written through the years. But the original Greek on this... Now, I'm not a Greek scholar. I cheat. I look at Strong's, and I listen to people who are smarter than me. Okay? I'm not, I took one day of Greek, and I said, this is Greek to me. Um, the phrase, there shall be time no longer, in the Greek basically is saying that time is... Oh, the time of judgment has come. The time of, okay, you know, you have no more time to get ready to meet God. It's over. The time is gone. That's what he's saying here. And, of course, we proceed with the remaining judgments in the book of Revelation. That is exactly what this means. So, that begs the question, all right, are people in heaven concerned about time? Do they care about time? And so, in order to... All right, let me do this. Let me go to the um, um, I'm trying to figure out how to work this new app that I've got. I'm not doing very well at it right now. I may have to go I may have to go okay, here we go. Got it. All right. Um, so Revelation chapter number six is the is the place we're going to go on this. And I have to admit, I took this from a book that I read some years ago. I read it. It was fascinating. The title is called Heaven, written by a man named Randy Alcorn, and he does a very fine job of writing this book. It's simply called Heaven, and basically he makes the argument in the book that Eventually, now don't misunderstand me, when, when a person who knows the Lord, they die to go to be with the Lord, they go to a place called heaven. That's true. Where God is right now, where the saints are. 
Jesus will come, take the church home to heaven. Seven years later, we will come back with Christ to the earth. We will reign and rule with him for a thousand years. After the thousand years, uh, there will be you know the great white throne judgment, so on and so forth. And then Revelation 21 will be new heavens and new earth. And that is where we see new Jerusalem. New Jerusalem will come down from God out of heaven to the earth. And I believe New Jerusalem is a literal city. I don't think it's allegorical. I believe it's a literal city. I'll show you why in just a few minutes why I believe it's a literal city. Um, the point he makes in this book is the ultimate home of the saints will be actually on the new earth. Okay? Because that's where Jesus will be in the New Jerusalem. Okay? And... Alright, so let's deal with this issue of time. But in this book, Heaven, he points out something that I've never heard before. Okay, And he goes to Revelation chapter 6, and he points to a passage here. Uh, and let me find it exactly where this is. Um, okay, here we go. And the fourth seal is opened in verse 7. And John, he looks and beholds the pale horse. This is the fourth horseman of the apocalypse. But where I want to go to is verse 9, I think, on this. Yeah, verse 9. Let's pick up our reading in verse 9 of Revelation chapter 6. And we'll try to see what's going on here, okay? And when he had opened the fifth seal... Okay, so we have the fifth seal. When he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. So these are people on the earth that are killed. They're killed during the tribulation period because their testimony for the Lord Jesus. Verse 10, keep reading. And they cried with a loud voice. Now remember, they're dead. They're in heaven. Their, their bodies are dead, but they have gone to be with the Lord. These are the tribulation saints. Okay. Notice what John says in verse 10. And they cried with a loud voice, saying... Okay, note this question. How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Now let's unpack this real quick. Number one here, the first two words of the question speak volumes about time. It's a time-sensitive question. He says, how long? This is what they're asking. How long? Lord, how long are you going to let this go without avenging our blood upon those on the earth? So evidently, those in heaven who are watching from heaven, they're seeing what's happening on the earth, the tribulation period. And, and, and they obviously, people that go to heaven, have some memory as to what happened on the earth to them these people do, and I don't have any reason to believe that other people don't have any memory as well about what happens on earth or, or what happened to them while they were alive. They, they remember that they were killed, okay? And so they're asking, how long? They're in heaven. It's a time-sensitive question. So that indicates, okay, how long is it going to be? Is it going to be a few minutes, a few hours, days, months, years? How long? So what I'm going to be prepared to argue is this. Yes, a... I believe that people in heaven do have some knowledge of what is happening on the earth, albeit in this case I'm reading it's a bad thing, but I'll point out another thing here 
that could be a good thing in just a moment, okay? So people in heaven, I think they have some knowledge about what happens on the earth. And I do think there is a time element in heaven. Now, later on, and I, I won't take time to read this. I won't bore you with all of the details. We can get into this later, all right, as we study the book of Revelation. But in Revelation 21 and 22, it describes in detail the city the new Jerusalem that comes down on the earth. And it describes, if, and, and go and read these two chapters, by the way. Uh, you know, and it describes the city with literal gates. Okay, if you're going to enter the city, you got to go through the gates. It says the kings of the earth will bring their glory into the city. It also talks about the trees that are on the riverbank there in the city. Uh, and they yield every month their fruit. Okay. What does that tell us? Well, that tells us that, you know, if you're going to have months, you got to have a time element here. Okay, so a little bit of astronomy here, a little bit of science. How do we get our months? Okay, well, we understand that the earth revolves around the sun once a year. Okay, and at, you know, certain seasons of the year, the earth tilts away from the sun, makes it colder, tilts back, makes it warmer. And we have our seasons, our weather patterns, okay? All of that is time-related, all right? So I don't see anything in Scripture that teaches us that in eternity future, you know, we won't have any concern about time. Um, now, we won't be burdened with time, I don't think, like we are now. Like, oh, man, you know, I, I need to get busy. It's 6 o'clock. I was supposed to wake up at 5.30. I'm going to be late for work. Oh, my word, what am I going to do? We won't have those issues. But time will go on for eternity. So just because, you know, when the thousand-year reign ends and the new and the eternal kingdom begins with the new heavens and the new earth, I don't see any problem with us having time. You know, it will just never stop, and and that's a glorious thing. Okay, um, so you know, God is an organized God. Um, let me show you another passage that might help us understand this when we think of something that is good that is happening, perhaps, that people in heaven know about. And um, let's go to the book of Luke. And I'm scrolling down. Somebody asked a question the other day about the noise in the background and the, the audio here, and it's my Braille display. I'm reading the Braille display, and I'm doing keystrokes, okay? So if you hear that, just there, there's nothing I can do about that, okay? So just kind of help me out here. Luke chapter 15, and there's a couple of parables here. There's the parable of the 90 and 9, you know, where Jesus goes and hunts for the one that's, you know, the one sheep that's missing and comes back, you know, and verse 6 um of Luke chapter 15 and when he cometh home he calleth together his friends and neighbors saying unto them rejoice with me for I have found my sheep which was lost verse 7 I say unto you that likewise <clears throat> joy shall be now watch this joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. So the idea here is that when somebody down here on earth repents and turns to God, there's joy in heaven. 
uh, a further reading of this, look down in verse 10 of this. <clears throat> Jesus gives another parable, verses 8 and 9. The woman who loses ten or uh, has 10 coins and she loses one. And what does she do? She goes and she finds it. Well, she's rejoicing. Okay, verse 10, basically he says the same thing. Now watch verse 10. It's a little bit different. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Now, um, it doesn't say the angels rejoice. It just says there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels. Well, why wouldn't the angels rejoice? Because the angels don't need, they can't understand because angels have never been lost and so they've never been redeemed. And so we're the only creatures that know what it's like to be lost in sin and then redeemed. We're rejoicing. We're in heaven and we see someone down here that gets saved and there's we're rejoicing over that. So yes, people in heaven know good things as well. Now, do they observe us all the time? I don't think so. I don't think they have time. Uh, you know, I you know, far be it for me to figure out what people are doing in heaven. I don't know. I'm curious. I'll be honest with you, okay? Like I said yesterday, I've got a sister. She's in heaven and I'm curious from time to time. Does she know about certain things that happen in my life? Uh, others that have gone before me, do they know? Well, I think we have some indication the evidence in Scripture tends to lean in that direction, okay? And so there's a lot we don't know. There's a little bit we know, but there's a lot more we don't know about this. Let me say this about this passage, though, or about this subject. There is, let me go to the go-to passage, okay? The, the the one passage that people go to to try to prove whether or not people um, know, and I'm going to try to show you why this is not the case. Um, the One of the first verses that people will point to to try to show that people in heaven know what's going on is Hebrews 12, and I think you know where I'm going with this, if you're familiar at all with this at all. Um, Chapter, okay, and see, here is a good reason why we study the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We don't do a lot of topical. is because when you get into topical, you begin to pull out verses. And you can do that, but you got to be careful. And sometimes a lot of doctrine is made from just people pointing out one verse. And so uh, that's why we have that problem. But in Hebrews 12... What have we just finished up reading? Chapter 11. I mean, after all, I mean, this may be a little profound, but 12 does come after 11, okay? And so what comes after 11 is, or what comes before 12 is the chapter on that, that talks about the faithful, those that have, you know, in the Old Testament that have gone before, they've served God by faith, and then right into chapter 12, read this verse, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed to pass, compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. And then Paul, well, if you believe Paul wrote Hebrews, which I do, um, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, I don't have any doubt in my mind in uh, that, you know, 
as we have just shown, I hope, uh, I'm going to say conclusively, I mean, I think the evidence leans in this direction, but I don't think verse 1 of Hebrews 12 is talking about our loved ones. I think it's referring directly to the previous chapter. Um, the witnesses are the Old Testament saints. But I think that the we can make the case, and, and I think we have, that certainly people do know what is going on in heaven. So we've covered two things here today. Number one, is there a time element in heaven? I mean, when you go to heaven, do you throw your watch away? Do you throw your clock away? Well, I don't know about that. I'm not sure about how they measure time in heaven. But there is a time element. And I think we've seen that in the questions that are asked by people in heaven. Okay? How long? That's a time-sensitive question. And then number two, I think we have demonstrated somewhat, to some degree, that people in heaven have some knowledge of things that are going on. In a negative from a negative perspective, let me give another example, and I'll just refer to it, um, about those in eternity. Those in hell, in Luke 16, uh, they have knowledge, obviously, of what's going on on the earth. How do you know that? Well, Jesus tells the story, and I don't think this is a parable. I think this is a real event, because you've got real names of real people. Uh, I think he leaves some names out, for example, the rich man, we don't know who he is, and I think Jesus is being sensitive to perhaps the loved ones of the rich man. Uh, but we do have a name, Lazarus. Uh, he's the one that died and went to the uh, Abraham's bosom and was comforted. So no, I don't think that's a parable. I think that's a real event. Okay, But in that particular narrative in Luke chapter 16, you know, Jesus pointed out that the man in hell... He remembers, hey, I've got five brothers at home. I want somebody to go and tell them about this awful place, so on and so forth. And so, you know, uh, I don't see any reason that when people go into eternity, either heaven or hell, whereby we should lose our personality, we should lose our conscious memory of things. Okay, so we've demonstrated, I think, conclusively that people in heaven and hell remember, they have a memory about things that happened on the earth, albeit the man in hell obviously had a bad memory because he remembered, you know, why he's in hell. He rejected Christ. By the way, the man in hell didn't go to hell because he was rich, and the poor man didn't go to heaven because he was poor. The man in Luke 16 went to hell for the same reason everybody goes to hell who goes there, and that is because they reject Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. That's the issue, okay? So, I hope this has been some help, and I would continue to ask that if you have questions, I'm having to come up with these now every week. I can do that, but just, you know, I want to hear your input, okay? So, please, 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 you know, keep the questions coming. Uh, we would love to be able to um, answer these. They're fascinating. I love to delve in, answer questions from the Bible. I don't know everything. Okay, I'll just tell you that. If there's something I don't know, I'm going to tell you. I don't know the answer to it. And it's fun to delve in and try to figure out some of this stuff from the scriptures. Okay, we're going to head out of here on this broadcast. And I'm going to begin to uh, record the Mark 11. We're going to be in Mark 11 here this morning in just a few minutes. So uh, we hope you'll listen to that as well. All right, so we'll talk to you in just a little bit from Mark chapter 11. God bless you.